We are live. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another segment of the Cash Geeks Network. Today, I'm super, super happy to be having one of the guys who pretty much introduced me to the way that I know wholesaling now um, and, and what kind of led me to crush it in the wholesale game. Uh, but now one of my mentors, uh, Mr. Kent Clothier, let's bring him on. What's up, baby? You ready? Let's do this. So I, I want to start this off. Um, we'll get into intros and all that later, but it was in Belize. So I'm in, I'm in Kent's uh, billionaire boardroom mastermind, and it was in Belize when <clears throat> this is October last year, and shit's going down, right? People are, are talking about how they're feeling the market changes. And I remember, I'm sure you'll remember, hopefully we had a couple of drinks at by the pool. So I don't know if you remember, but um, I pulled Ken aside. I was like, Ken, I just need two minutes. Pulled him aside. And I was like, what would you do if you're in my shoes? I'm scared because shit is not the same. Fire pool is, is uh, shrinking and I have all these expenses. And I'll never forget, man, you said <clears throat> anybody can make it in a good market. And in the market that we're heading to, this is when true entrepreneurs are either going to make it or fail. And you have to act fast. Don't act slow. Go back home and act fast. And those are the two things that stuck with me. And I got, got back home, immediately implemented changes. You know, I'm sure everybody watching has heard, has seen us, right? Um, and I'll never forget feeling like shit. We, we, we may have pulled out too soon and then, or not pulled out too soon, but started making cuts and maybe we didn't have to make cuts because nobody else around us was. And then a month later, two months later, three months later, you just see all these people feeling it. And I just remember being so grateful that we made those decisions early on. And, you know, a lot of that comes from just that little conversation in Belize. We were all by the pool and I'm calling my business partner like, yo, we got to have a talk after we after I come back from this trip. This is going to be an interesting talk. So I want to start it off with that because that's the type of real deal knowledge that I get all the time from Kent. And it's an honor and privilege to be able to have him on the show and share that with everyone. Um, so, Kent, thanks again for that. And. With that being said, let's just get into it because a lot of people following you, you you've been in this for a lot, a good time now, right? Yeah, let's go ahead and say it. Yeah, I'm an old guy. It's fine. I can, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I'm good. <clears throat> and this isn't your first uh, market cycle, right? And so one of the biggest things that I look for in mentors or people that I that I'm trying to learn from is have they been through this before? And every time I get around you, I'm always picking your brain, trying to hear what you just drop. Because sometimes you drop shit and people in the room don't really pick it up. But I'm just listening and hearing how can this guy impact my trajectory. And so I want to share that with everybody. So let's just get into it really quick. Sure. One minute intro, 30 second intro. What all do you have going on right now? And um, in case anybody out there doesn't know who Kent Clothier is. Yeah. So um, as you pointed out so eloquently, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. I started, um, I've been in business for a long time. I've been in business longer than you've been alive, brother. I've been in business for 35 years. Yeah. Um, I started a business when I was 17 that I built up to doing about $2 billion a year in sales. By the time I was 30, uh, exited that company. Uh, not very graciously, and over the course of a couple of years, proceeded to lose everything I'd ever owned, uh, which kind of left me with my back against the wall. And ultimately, that put me in a place where um, I didn't have many options. And so I landed on real estate wholesaling back in the day before it was, you know, anything like it is today. You know, this was the days of door knocking. And so when I got into that business, um, I was one of the first guys that kind of turned this hustle, if you will, into a real business. And, and because of what I had done in that previous business, I knew about systems and processes and 
data and architecture and all these things and kind of started incorporating a lot of that into what we were doing. Nobody had ever even heard anything like that in the in the uh, wholesaling game. We were the first company that that brought out, you know, any kind of data product, any kind of comping product, any kind of. So we have fine cash buyers now, fine comps now, fine motivated sellers now, fine private lenders now. Um, and ultimately that all became ultimately one day became smart. But in all of that, you know, we were wholesaling three, four, five hundred deals a year. And then we got to a place where we then began turnkeying, turnkeying several hundred properties a year. You know, fast forward to where we are now. We, our company, REI Nation, still uh, does turnkey um, real estate today, does about a hundred fix uh, rent and flips every single month across 11 markets, about a thousand a year. <clears throat> Jesus. We manage about 8,000 single family houses for our investors with several companies that I own wholesale another probably four or 500 properties a year. We've got um, tens of thousands of students, millions of followers over the last few years. And what kind of sits on top of all of that is what you've talked about a second ago is the boardroom mastermind, which is 220 of the you know top real estate investors from every walk of life um all in one room that meets quarterly and been doing that for the last 11 or 12 years that's fucking insane dude a thousand turnkeys a year couple a couple hundred wholesales a year and all while i mean leading a ton of the top investors in the nation um i, I would say you know i've been part of many mastermind groups and this boardroom is is what i like to to call a real mastermind because i feel like everybody has a mastermind now right and the true term masterminding has i would say evolved but the true form of mastermind is hot seats right mm -hmm. and that's one of the best things about your group is when you get into the mastermind, it's not a freaking PowerPoint presentation for three days by one person on stage. We break off into groups and everybody's presenting on their business. Like this is next week and I have to get my presentation ready. I got to get my KPIs ready, what I've done for the quarter, my goals for this year, my shares. And we all present and we just all get fucking ripped apart in front of everyone and it's honestly the best way to evolve in your business and so anytime i'm, I'm part of any hot seats it's just a game changer and that was the one well, thing well the one thing that makes it very i mean i'm glad i appreciate you saying all that dude but i will tell you the one thing that makes it to your point the term uh mastermind is very very watered down <clears throat> out there and diluted but the one thing that makes it most powerful is the curation process right is that um, just because you can write a check does not get you a seat at the table, period. Yep. And, um, you know, I'm at a place where I take a lot of pride in the people that I surround myself with anything I attach my name to. And so, um, I've earned that right over the last few years. And, and so the people that get in that room are the best of the best. And so now layer that on what you're saying, right? And that, not only is your business getting picked apart, but your business is getting picked apart by people who have done it, who are people yeah. that are achieving it, people who have, you know, um, massive net worth, who are really, really trying to get it to to help you get to the next level. And they're not just some clown that, uh, you know, showed up and has flipped 11 houses. That's not what's going on. Right. Yeah, no, that's huge. And so I mean, let's just let's just talk about what's going on right now in, in the market, right? Um, I feel like times have kind of changed a little bit, even with the recent scare, right? I feel like there seems to be a little bit more of activity, um, at least from from what I'm seeing. Um, I feel like right before the end of the year, everybody was just kind of waiting to the new year. And so it, it kind of scared a lot of people. And as soon as the new year kind of came a little bit of pickup started to um to hit the market so so what are your thoughts on everything that's going on right now um from just being in it for as long as you have 
I mean, this is normal, man. I mean, like I told you that day, um, here's what happens is that, you know, every 10 to 14 years, natural cycle of real estate is we switch from a, a, a seller's market into a buyer's market, and then we experience the trough, and then we start picking back up. And so as I shared with you that day, anybody that has gotten in this business in the last 10 years has never experienced anything but up and to the right. right. And that when the entire market shifts under your feet, it is not a good thing or a bad thing. It is simply part of the cycle. And when that happens um, and you've never experienced it before, it can be extremely unnerving. It can be uh, everything that you think you know to be true suddenly is untrue virtually overnight. Um, and it's and it's extremely, extremely challenging. But in that shift in and of itself, right, just that shift that let's just call it that six to 12 months. Um, if you are not nimble and if your business is not right sized and you are not aggressive and you are not intentional um, and you are slow to react, then because most businesses are operating off of cash flow. Um, you will, you will go, you'll go out of business just for not, be, not because necessarily your business model is broken or not necessarily because the market is different. No, no, no. It's that your inability to pivot quickly and, and an effort to preserve liquidity and your, and an effort to protect yourself and allow yourself and the company to adapt and then accelerate is a, is the problem. Right. And so um, if you, again, if, if you have fallen in love with the business model and you've fallen in love with the way you've always done things, because quite frankly, unknowingly, it's, it, it is just the way you've always done things and you're not prepared, then like I said, that is a, that is a swick kick right in the, in the throat and it is not fun. And so, you know, what I told you and why I told you those things. And I told a lot of people those things is because I've been there, right. And, and preserving the liquidity, living, do not die on the hill. You know, yeah. do not do not dig in on principle and say, well, this is the way we do things and the ship will right itself. That is not true. That is, that is simply not true. And you what you have to do anytime the market shifts is, uh, again, kind of go where the puck is. We've all heard the Wayne, Wayne Gretzky analogy. Where is the puck going? Go where the puck is, is going to be, not where it currently is. And you got to plan for that and you got to get ready for that. And you got to because here's what here's what happens is that is that. Um, it will stabilize as, as it is doing now. And it, this will become kind of the new norm. And uh, whether it's the hedge funds or whoever it is, um, they'll start moving back in and everybody will start getting excited again. And it'll all start kind of picking back up. And you want to be able to ride that wave all the way back up. And then when it naturally comes again, 10 or 12 years from now, you, you understand exactly what it looks like, exactly how to deal with it. But if you have to go through this, and you have to know you can go through this mm. in order to become the best version of a CEO and a leader. When you get into business, this is unfortunate. What most people don't realize is nobody ever promised you, although it may have been this way for you the last 10 years because of the market you were in, nobody ever promised you it would be cupcakes and rainbows and sunshine. And all you had to do was show up and go put a deal under contract. And you would suddenly just push it out the door to an email list and everybody would buy it. And you really wouldn't have to work your ass off at all. Nobody ever promised you that. That's just kind of, you've been your experience. The reality of it is, is this is business yeah. and shit changes. And when it changes and you as a leader have to be willing to change with it. And again, think about it like this. It'll take you 30 seconds to go type in the word layoffs or right sizing in the in Google right now and go see how many major companies all over the country are laying off people right sizing their business fixing their balance sheets doing all the things the biggest companies in the world are having to do this what makes you think you're any different hmm. and it is not about you being a good leader bad leader etc it's that this is what happens this is what happens in business and you have to be willing and able to stomach it and do it and if you're not, then get out because, right. you know, being a, you know, being a leader when it's always just up and to the right and you're just kind of hanging on and showing up and, you know, fogging a mirror and things are going out great. That's not a leader, right? A leader is the person kind of like the way you've had to step up and become one over the course of the next 90, 120 days is 
everybody get behind me. I got this. Bring the arrows. I'm going to take the hits. I'll do what I need to do. But I know in the end we're going to be here and we're going to keep on moving. And right. it takes that kind of attitude. Give me the hits. And I can promise you, here's the best part about this, Gonzalo. The guy who you've had to become uh, will be an infinitely better leader from this point forward than you ever were prior to November. Yeah. Right? You may have thought you were good before. Right. You are infinitely better, exponentially better already and only going to get better because the next time this happens, you know how much confidence you're going to have? Right. Like, hey, man. I've been here. I've yeah. been I've been knocked down. It didn't knock me out. I know exactly what to do. And that is how champions are created. The champions are created by getting beat up, by getting in there and, you know, getting knocked down, getting bloodied, getting broken bones, getting bruised, all that stuff. And then they get back in the ring and they do it again and they do it again. And, you know, you don't there's not a championship boxer or UFC or you name it, any sport that you admire, you're not, there's not one of them that they did not have to go through serious hardship right. to get to the very top of the, of the mountain. Not one of them. That's what this is. Yeah. That's what it is. So and how does, go ahead. So how does somebody, I guess, stay on course, right? Because everything is different, right? Like, like you said, you have to adapt, you have to change your business, you have to maybe try new things, um, you have to scale down. But at the same time, you have to keep your foot on the gas, right? So how? Well, how it's, it, it, it's that's a great question. Here, here's the, so number one, you do exactly what you did, probably unknowingly. You know, you probably did it more out of a, a fear based or curiosity or, you know, whatever. But the reality of it is, is you did exactly what you should be doing. You go and seek the counsel of those who have been there before you and you mm -hmm. take action on what they tell you to take action on period, whether you agree with it or not. That's number one. Um, number two, you understand that in every market, if you go back historically and you just go do a little bit of research, right? This is, you can certainly go do the research and see this, that some of the greatest companies in the world that are staples of today um, are a product. They were started in recessionary times. Mm. Right. Because what happens is recessions or slowdowns in markets or market corrections create a massive opportunity. What they do is they run out all of the clowns. Right. Anybody that's any of the posers, you know, any of the people that that are pretend entrepreneurs, any of your competitors that have been in the business for six months or whatever the case may be. You know, they went to a three day seminar and they got all fired up and they started blowing up in your market and putting out all this marketing, driving your marketing cost up. All, I mean, every business has this. Yep. All those people get run out. It's kind of like a, a thinning of the herd, right? And so when all of that happens in our particular uh, business, um, that's an opportunity because yeah. although that is one market dynamic that is for sure happening and can be very scary when you're on the outside looking in, you know, if you're sitting in your spot there in Jacksonville, let's just use it as an example. And you're watching, oh my God, this guy just went out of business. This guy went out of business. This guy went out. When if you're sitting, that's, that, it would be easy for that to get into your own head. Like, oh my God, what the hell is going on? That is a truth. It is not the truth, right? And so what you have to do to perform in these areas is what I call separating fact from fiction, mm. right? Multiple things can be true at the same time. Yes, people can be going out of business while simultaneously it could represent the single biggest opportunity you've ever had, period. Right. And so in our business, if all of my competitors are going out of business while simultaneously, I know for a fact that crisis still exists in the world today, meaning Last time I checked, regardless of market, people still die. Hmm. Foreclosure still happens. Divorce still happens. You know, inherited property still happen. Probates still happen. Loss of jobs still happens. Unwanted rent. All these things, these life-changing events in a in normal society, in American real estate, still happen. Every day. All day. And 
nobody, none of that situation cares whether we're in an up market, down market, whether you're competitor, none of that. So as long as I know this is still going on, this crisis situation still happens in real estate every single day, then all right, let me go do a little bit of research and find out how many cash transactions are still happening in the market. So if you right. go look at, you know, Duval County and Jacksonville, I don't know what it is, but let's just assume it's a thousand cash transactions are happening every single month. Cash transactions in real estate are, those are primarily, if not exclusively, those are investors. Yep. Okay. So let me get this straight. I have my competitors went out of business, scary stuff simultaneously crisis still happens. That's a stable. That's a fact. It's probably going to increase because more people are losing their job. That's a fact. And there are still thousands of people paying cash in my market every single day. That's a fact. So if I just get, if I, number one, stay in the game. Number two, if I actually went and doubled or tripled my marketing, because in this vacuum that's being left with all of my competitors going out, all those marketing dollars are leaving the market. So if I fill it all up with me, the reality of this is, is I will get much greater penetration into the market than I've ever got. I know the sellers need to sell and I know the buyers are buying. In all likelihood, this could be the most opportunistic time I've ever had. Right. Then when you start <clears throat> coupling that, I'll give you another example with, okay, simultaneously, I know that a lot of sellers are sitting on a lot of equity and they're scared um, because they're watching, you know, sell prices drop, et cetera, et cetera. But I also know they're sitting on mortgages that are two, three, four percent because of what was going on with the rates for the last five years. Seems to me I should for sure understand exactly how to go buy these houses and take over their payments subject to and or assume their mortgage because I could go build a substantial real estate rental portfolio very quickly and effectively pay them their equity that they're so scared of losing, but pay it out over 30 years. Right. right? And so create a win-win situation for them. I have to be educated on it. I got to educate, but man, that's absolutely a massive opportunity in the market right now. Yeah. And if I do these things, then not only am I surviving, brother, I'm thriving in markets like this and all my competitors are going to be sitting on the sidelines wondering what in the hell happened and i'm going to be creating so much distance that if they ever even attempted to get back in the game and catch up to me it's over it's over before they ever started and right. that again multiple things can be true you get to decide is am i going to focus on the obstacle or i'm going to focus on the opportunity because if you if you want to go focus on the obstacles there's plenty of them, but equally, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah. So that's, I'm, I'm happy you brought that up because I think that that needs to be heard. I needed to hear that in our recent chat. I mean, like less than a week ago or a week ago, whatever, when we talked was everything that you were saying just makes sense. Like you, you hear of everybody slowing down, turning off marketing. Hey, we're going to pause for a little bit, whatever. And you question like shit, maybe I should be doing that too. You know what I mean? Um, well, but, let, let's just be, let's add some color to that. Right. The only way you do that is with a plan. I, I, of course, of course. I'm, I'm not telling anybody to be reckless or irresponsible. You right-sized your business. You're in a perfect position right now as your business exists today, much better than it existed before from a cost structure. If you want to grow your business and you want to do all the things I talk about, this is the moment to do it. And you have the ability to do it responsibly and intentionally. And you understand that the opportunity is there in front of you to do it. And everything that I just said to you is all provable through data. Yeah. You go log into smart or go and log into prop stream or whatever the hell you're and go see how many cash transactions are happening in your market. And if you see that as a wholesaler, well, you clearly know that that's the opportunity because you cannot buy what is not for sale, mm. right? It's public record. If somebody sold a thousand houses last month in your market, all cash, those are investors that are buying, which only means one thing. They were better than you. Right. That's it. It doesn't mean there's not opportunity because there's a, there was a thousand houses. Hey man, kid, if I can do 20 houses a month, it's life-changing money for me and my business. It'd be 250 deals a year. 
20 a month of a thousand is 2%. Yeah. That means you can fail 98% of the time in your market and be successful 2% and change your life. Those are the facts. Right. When you get that information, it is extremely powerful. Yeah. So as far as, I guess, opportunities, right? So, so you mentioned um, creative financing, right? What are, what are some of the opportunities, I guess, somebody who's been in the game for, for a while. And I mean, everybody that I talk to that has been in the game, they kind of get excited around these times. You know what I mean? I mean, and, look at me. I'm as excited. I mean, I'm, yeah. see, I get all fired up. Like I know what this is. So what, what are the opportunities that excite someone like you who has seen it all right now, kind of in just from the, the, I guess the level that you're at, how, how do you see opportunity in this market? What are you doing? Like Kent, right? Like more of the, um, the fun stuff, like what, what, yeah, what I mean, I mean, look, if you want, the, here's what you want to do. You want to, you know, if you're wholesaling, I just explained to you exactly what to do. If you're, right. if you're wildly transactional and you want to go build a rental portfolio with, with fairly, uh, or limited capital, I just told you what to do. Seller finance. If you, if you have the ability to create liquidity, um, and you haven't done it already, you need to do that. And what that means is that whether you're tapping into home equity lines or whether you have a rental portfolio that you can use on your balance sheet as a, as a borrowing base to, to create liquidity, or whether you can go raise funds from private lenders, right? Or you want to have liquidity because that liquidity in markets like this are not only, it, it is a massive advantage today, but it will continue to be that way for, for probably at least the next, 12 to 24 months, right? You right. want to be able to get into asset classes that are recession resilient, cash flowing, and that you can ride on the way back up. And so yeah. that is multifamily, that is self storage, those are RV parks, that is industrial. Again, separating fact from fiction, this is easily researchable. You can go look up what are the most recession resilient asset classes historically in real estate. You're going to see everything I just told you is exactly spot on. Mm -hmm. um, what you definitely want to be investing in right now is cash flow, right? Yeah. Um, you don't want to be trying to um, go off and hope and pray that that you've bought an asset that'll be worth more on an equity basis. No, like you on an appreciation basis, you want to absolutely buy stuff that cash flows today that is not in any way, shape or form costing you money. And so, um, what are we doing? Everything I just said, right? We are actively out there raising as much capital as, as we possibly can and deploying it as fast as we can into assets that make sense for us and our investors moving forward. Um, that is, we know what the opportunity is. We're having extremely high level conversations with, with as many um, well-funded organizations that want to deploy capital as we can possibly have. We're trying to elevate all the conversations we're having everywhere mm. um, because we know, you know, think about it through the boardroom. Like I have, like I said, 220 of the best investors on the planet right here. My, if I, if, if we have access to a lot of liquidity, deal flow will never be our problem. Yep. Right. And so we're playing into our strengths. We're playing into the market. We're doing what, what, everybody should be doing. We're just trying to do it maybe at a larger scale than most. Right. Right. So what is, what is the, um, do you want to talk about the fund a little bit? I mean, I mean, we can for sure. I mean, we have our, we have several funds. Uh, we have our Axia um, value development fund, which only invest in the recession resilient assets I just talked about. Um, that is a $40 million fund that we're in the middle of a raise for. So all we're doing is buying multifamily self storage, RV parks and industrial. Um, minimum investment in that is a is a hundred grand, accredited investors only, and uh, it'll produce projected produce somewhere in the neighborhood of a sixteen percent internal rate of return for our investors, and um, we'll exit all those assets in the next five years or so. Then we have our Anisio fund, um, which is basically a general purpose fund, which allows us to invest in uh, not only invest in assets, but also uh, invest in first trustee mortgages, effectively act like the bank, best way to mm -hmm. say it, um, into a lot of different asset classes. 
and the, what the biggest differences are there is, well, first off, it's a $25,000 investment there and it's accredited investors, but is that fund uh, pays our investors uh, as it goes. In other words, it's paying a dividend um, as it as it goes along. So every quarter we we distribute to our investors and then annually we distribute to our investors. Where in Axia, all of, all of the funds compound inside of the fund. So there's no distributions until we actually sell. And so depending on what your appetite is, you know, if you're looking for, and they're both earning about the same kind of rate of return for the investor, but if you want some of the cash flow along the way, you put some into Nisio. Do you want to basically let the investment compound inside of the invest and, and get it all in the end? Um, you go to Axia or you do a little bit of both, right? And then we have a lot of our investors right now are, are buying uh, a great deal of properties. I mean, we're, we're blowing up. We got a lot of investors that are buying us from um, REI Nation, just buying our turnkey single family homes, $250,000 homes. I mean, we're, we're selling you know, hundreds and hundreds of houses uh, continually where we, again, we buy that house. We completely rehab that, that house. We put a tenant in there on a two-year lease, and then we sell it as a rental property to an investor, but we stay in place and manage it. And so all the headaches, everything, all the problems, they're all ours. Our investors just get their cash flow every month. They get the depreciation. They own the asset. And like I said, we manage 8,000 of those in 11 different markets. And so again, smart money is moving into the market right now. Scared money is moving out. Right. Um, as Warren Buffett says, you know, when the tide rolls out, you get to figure out who's swimming naked real quick. And there's a lot of people that have been swimming naked. Yep. Um, but I can tell you really smart people understand that, man, this is, this is the time. This is, this is exactly when you want to be uh, intentional and uh, thoughtful but as aggressive as you possibly can, because this is when this is when real wealth is created, dude. Big right. time. Right. So just just out of curiosity, if you don't mind me asking, how does a turnkey business and a property management company get affected during these times? Um, well, I mean, we're we are more because our in buyer, our investor buyer is buying with a mortgage. Right. So we right. are sensitive to the rates for sure. Yeah. Um, and so we, we experienced exactly what everybody else did that is, that has exposure to that, you know, retail yeah. real estate, um, mortgage lenders, uh, retail real estate agents, and businesses like ours where the buyers backed off a little bit um, because they got frightened with the rates going up as much as they can or as much as they did, I should say. Um, yeah. That, that certainly had an impact on us, but once things kind of start normalizing and people realize that, five and six percent is still a tremendous rate yeah. um then they kind of push back in i mean when, if you think about it brother if you you got to think about it again you're going to hear me say this a lot and you've already heard me say it a lot over the years um you just have to separate fact from fiction yeah and the fact of the matter is that if you can buy a property today with a 6% mortgage in place, whatever it is, six and a half percent. And it cash flows at a six and a half percent mortgage. The mortgage is one of the best one way bets you will ever get to building wealth. Mm. Because what that means is that if it's cash flowing at six and a half percent and fast forward five years, and let's just say rates go down and it suddenly you know, you, you can see that it makes sense to refinance that property. You can recapitalize your investment, literally. And by then pull all the money you've got out of it, drive your rate even further down and create more cash flow for right. yourself. So if you can buy it today and it makes money, then it will only make more hmm. down the road. Yeah. And so for people to and when people when that kind of unlocks right and it says you know the, when they understand that the and i think it was warren buffett that actually said it that the mortgage is one of the best one-way bets you'll ever make to get wealthy that was a really really smart and profound comment because it's just true right because i have an asset i have the ability to recapitalize it at any point in the future where it makes sense for me to refinance and in all likelihood when i refinance um the property will have increased in value yeah. Rents will in all likelihood have increased 
I will probably be able to take cash out of that investment, put it back in my pocket, um, which costs me nothing because that is not income. That is that is debt. I don't have to pay taxes on that and have a lower rate. Hard to lose when you when all those things are true. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I've I've been I'm gonna be asking this a lot in uh, Nashville, but I want to ask you here for people watching this who have. You know, everybody's kind of experiencing the same thing. Big team, doing a lot of volume. Everything's kind of shifting. The smart ones are kind of uh, reducing their team, reducing their staff, getting more lean. And so I feel like right now, everybody's kind of, uh, this is what I'm dealing with and what I'm hearing a lot of people deal with. They're kind of bringing down their team to like their elite staff, right? These are my killers. These are who we're going to ride it out with. How would you say a true leader a true ceo i guess leads that team right like like uh from somebody going from 30 people let's say right and now the people that were your managers or your leaders you're now it's just them right obviously like that's probably fucking with them too you know what i mean <coughs> So like, how does somebody as the leader effectively run a smaller team going from what we just came through? You have to realize what your role actually is, right? So when, if you fall in love with the, you know, success is a very, very fickle, seductive woman, right? Mm -hmm. Um, success is fleeting success is not constant success is earned every day and if you are wrapped up in this self-belief or self-worth and again i i have a tremendous amount of experience at this right so let me just give you a, a really good example um in 2000 right we had just done 1.8 billion dollars a year in sales Jeez. i was 29 years old right i turned 30 on february 23rd right after the right after the first of the year um we had just had the single biggest year we had ever had i this entire industry that we were doing this is in this grocery arbitrage industry the entire industry was five billion right so i'm have built, I'm wow. controlling 40% of the entire industry. Um, and I am on top of the world at every level to thank God that social media didn't exist because I 100% would have been the douchebag that we all make fun of. I had the <laughs> house on the intercoastal in Boca Raton, Florida. I had all the cars, I had the watches, I, you name it, right? That was me. And my entire identity, all of my friends, all of my relationships, everything I had was wrapped up in that. Mm. And then on March 14th, I got into a run-in with my two partners and walked out and was so cocky, so arrogant that I totally believed that I would just rebuild it overnight. And so I almost immediately started a competitor and we went to battle over the course of the next two years. And they outspent me in legal fees until and basically bled me to death right and so by the time we got down to it i was done i i mean i had wiped myself out of millions and millions and millions of dollars and it wasn't just that it was a lot of bad financial decisions along the way growing too fast all these kind of things but the long story short is it it ended in uh a, a heap of rubble right yeah um and so it was devastating to me Right. Everything I had ever believed that mattered about success was totally wrapped up to it. And I, I share that with you because um, that fall is extremely dramatic. Right. It is. I mean, I was suicidal when this was going on. It was Jeez. brutal on me from a personal standpoint. Now, fast forward to the question you're asking me, how do you get your arms around? How do you get I, I had this and now I've got that. Who gives a shit? Right. Mm. Life goes on life moves this this is a moment in time just like that was a moment in time this is success is earned every day the bottom line is you didn't come this far to come this far you are going to get knocked down you are going to get hit you are going to suffer it is all a part of life whether that happens personally or whether that happens professionally 
as a young man or a young woman, we don't believe that is true, but I'm telling you, it is absolutely true. You will experience tragedy. You will experience, you know, things, crisis, things will happen. People will get sick. People will pass away. Car accidents happen. Businesses fail. Life happens. Yeah. And it is not about whether or not life happens. It's about where, how you react to it. And so in the big picture, you, if you had a business that was 20, 30, 40, 50 people, we were on top of the world and now it's 10, who gives a shit? The reality of it is, is you're still here. You're one of the few that survived. And now you get to build all your way back up. This is my elite team. These are my assassins. These are the people I choose to surround myself with. This was a choice. This was not, nobody here is a victim. I chose you to be in business with me and we are going and we are going to keep going and we will be bigger and better than we've ever been. And having gone through all this will only make us closer and make us more dominant than we've ever been, period. Now, do we maybe have to go backwards in order to go forward? Of course, but every business goes through that. Literally, every business goes through that. Again, go look in the headlines right now. Businesses yeah. all around the country some are having to shrink in order to get their business right to go back up. That is not a reflection of whether they are under good leadership, bad leadership, irresponsible leadership would have been been doing nothing and allowing the, the company to bleed to death until it goes bankrupt. Right. You need to wear that as a badge of honor, as proud. I was willing to do the hard stuff, willing to do the hard things that it takes to be a real leader in business. Anybody can do this shit when it's easy. It takes real leadership to do this when it's tough. And we are going to become better and more nimble than we've ever been. We are going to learn from our mistakes. We will, you know, we will be much more efficient. What things like this do is they remove excess and bloat from businesses. I mean, there was a quote this morning, right? I literally sent this to Brett Tanner, one of the boardroom members, because I read this on the front page of Yahoo Finance. This is a quote. I'm going to read this to you, right? So this is from the CEO of Ford, right? Who just said this today or yesterday. This is his quote. Candidly, the strength of our products and revenue has masked our operational dysfunctionality for a long time. It's not an excuse, but it's our reality and we're dealing with it urgently. Mm. That's the CEO of Ford, bro. That's a yeah. Fortune 100 company. I could say the exact same thing to you about your business, by the way. Right. Right. It applies to yours. And it applies to anybody that you are referencing in that little example. Candidly, the strength of your revenue, the strength of what you're doing, and how things were going masked your operational dysfunctionality for a long time. Yeah. And all this allowed you to do is fix it. Mm. Wear it as a badge of honor. Like you're going to be better than you've ever been. And so yeah. I, I take that with pride. I mean, if, if this doesn't make you better and make you leaner and make you more, pay more attention to the details, make you more efficient, really look at the KPIs, you know, not getting the KPIs ready for the boardroom meeting, like living in the KPIs every day. Right. Understanding the levers that move your business every day, understanding the little things that would, you know, how a percentage basis point here or there, how it impacts your business. If it doesn't make you do that, then you haven't learned the lesson. Right. Right. No, that's huge. Um, I think that that is what kind of like what you said to me that day in Belize. Right. It was just like everything that you've experienced, dude, is I mean whether you like uh, whether you can look at it this way or not it's like it's all fake right like you you made it in a great market and all the shit that's that's not working in your business is gonna come to light now um and i remember you saying you broke the numbers down very very specific and you said take your revenue what you thought you were doing cut that shit in half take 20 percent out for marketing take 20% out for you. This is what you have left for staff, rent, overhead, whatever. Make that decision now. And I was like, oh shit. But it just makes sense. It, it just made clear sense. And, um, and I think that's kind of, I would say the exciting part of what's going on right now is 
there's so much less noise, right? When you're just doing deals, 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 seller leads, whatever, title fires, you're you're just not worried about the important shit. And you're just you're just chasing the next deal. Oh, this is messing up, but who cares? I gotta chase the next deal to make up for that fuck up or whatever, right? And I think it it it's kind of exciting when I look at not you just have more time on your plate, right? Like well, think of, think of, here, think of it like this. Here's the way I would tell you, Gonzalo. Here, I don't know exactly what the statistic is, but I, but I, but somebody can go look it up. But it but it uh, what is it? It's in the book um, T. Harbecker, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Right? And you go, and it's and it's been true that basically in that book he talks about that um, most lottery winners lose all their winnings inside of five years, right? And most multimillionaires have filed for bankruptcy at least three times. And every time they file for bankruptcy and have to start over, they got back to where they were in half the time or less than they did the first than the previous time. So if it took me 10 years to do it before and I file for bankruptcy, then the next time it only takes me five. And then I have to file again. Next time it only takes me two and a half. And so what does that tell you if, if you hear stuff like that is that is that you're either learning or earning mm. there's a time and a place for everything there's a season for everything in your business when you position everything you're going through and have gone through as a negative i would argue it is you you're missing all of it right the reality of this is is that if you have to go backwards now think about how much faster you personally, you are going to be able to build what you want to build and can build. You will build it infinitely faster because you one, you've been there and you know it to be true. So all the fear of disbelief, it's gone. Two, you know exactly how you did it before. And three, you know, you've learned lessons on what you would change building it back. So everything, the timetable gets compressed dramatically, right? So if you, which you, everybody will, if you have to go backwards, it's just a season, man, just a season right. in the business. I got to go backwards a little bit, recalibrate, get it right. And then every, I'm so much better uh, for everything I knew the first go around, everything I learned, you know, going, having to slow it down a little bit, everything I had to learn from the pivoting, everything I know to be true, all the people I've surrounded myself with, all the lessons, all the wisdom. I go much faster, much further than than I've ever would have done without all that. And I think, you know, I, I I'm known as the guy that talks about, hey, move from hustler to CEO and you know, scale your business, all that kind of stuff. All of that is still true. But part of that process when the tide changes like this is sometimes as the CEO. You've got to jump back in and you've got to grab the reins and you've got to get your arms around. You've got to get the controls in place. You get you got to understand where you became inefficient and operationally dysfunctional and get it back on and then start pushing to become the scaled version and the CEO. That's OK. There's nothing wrong with that. And I would argue it's a good thing, not a bad thing. Right. Right. No. And I and I always uh, resonate with you because that's that's being transparent of how true business works. Right. All these people out there preaching like, hey, when you're the CEO, you're you're just you're the visionary. You're working on high level stuff. You know, that's not the best use of your time, blah, 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 blah. And when you were like, dude, sometimes you just like you said, uh, you gave that analogy of just getting in front of everyone, taking the arrows. You know, you, you mentioned that um, when we had that chat. Right. And just like that just shows like that's true experience. Right. And just yeah, like I mean, when, when shit goes down, you, you got to just get your hands dirty again. Like it's it's it is what it is. I mean, being a leader is being a leader and we all know it. We all recognize it in others. We all gravitate to, to true leaders. We know, you know, we know it when we see it and hear it and feel it. And, and, you know, leaders are, leaders are, are not born. They are made and they are made from, from truly going through tough times. I mean, again, not to use too many analogies, but you know, one of the best analogies I could give to anybody that's watching this or listening to this is if you've ever watched any movie, I don't care whether it's a Marvel comic movie or a Harry Potter movie or, a, you know, any movie, or you've read any book where there is a hero or heroes, 
in order for there to be a hero and the audience to get sucked into the book or sucked into the story um, where they're cheering for the hero, one thing is inevitably always true. They have to overcome right. the villain. They have to cut through some challenge. They have, you know, Rocky has to has to run up the steps and become, you know, the true hero. And he has to take on, you know, Apollo Creed. And, you know, you you this is the way it actually works. And so this is your chance to be a hero right? of your own life, of your own business. Like you're going to have to slay the dragon. You're going to have to get in there. And none of that is you. You cannot do any of that by sitting on the sidelines and hoping that it goes away. Hope is not a strategy. Like yeah. you're going to have to fight. And if you fight hard enough, here's what I can tell you that I love about times like these. And I, and I with this one down is that when you are in the fight and you are trying to figure out how far you're willing to go and you're having that internal dialogue where you're like, Oh God, is this right? Am I doing this? Whatever the case may be, right? Just repeat this one thing that I say to myself all the time, right? This is that moment right here. This is it where my competition will quit. Mm. Right. I'm getting tested. I'm getting really tested. And if I wasn't up to the task, I would quit. I know at that moment, this is where my competition will absolutely quit. So the only thing I have to do to be great is at a minimum, keep going. Right. Don't stop. Quit. Don't quit. Stay in the game. Stay in the game, baby. And you may not have all the answers, but you know, get them, get around the people that do, you know, it's always, it's always interesting to me. I see people in times like these and things get a little challenging. Um, you're either reaching or you're retreating. Right. And I can't even tell you, like we've got board members that inevitably, um, happens all the time where they will not renew their membership because things are tough. And the irony of that entire situation, knowing what I know is that, you would do everything you possibly could to stay connected right to all the right people yeah so that you could have conversations just like you and i've had in the yeah. last few weeks right like uh, no. that kind of access that kind of validation kent am i thinking about this correctly what would you do like dude that that's priceless in times like these yeah no i agree that's huge and that was one of the biggest things um because we always at the end of the year we always like try to pay off some expenses for tax purposes. And um, this was, you know, boardroom was one of those things like, hey, do we re-sign up? Do we just pay it in full? Whatever. And um, I, I, I will agree that that is, it's, it's a hard decision to make, but deep down inside, you know, I mean, a five minute conversation makes or breaks your business sometimes. Amen, you know? bro. And, and it's true of all of us, by the way. I mean, yeah. I, I I write those checks as well, right? Yep. Yep. My checks just happen to be bigger. They're hundred thousand yep. dollar checks. They're quarter of a million dollar checks. But it, it doesn't get any easier to write those checks. But man, your one conversation, to your point, of it being a whole a whole nother ball game. Right. Right. Proximity so, is everything. So, with that being said, what what is, I guess, maybe looking back, what's one thing you wish you would have done more of or different building back? Um, it's a good question. You know, I, I talk about it a lot. Um, the, the only regret ironically that I have, I don't know how I call it regret, but the thing I would potentially do a little differently is, um, until I got my business businesses to scale, uh, it was really hard for me to be, um, you know, none of us is an none of us are an infinite resource, right? And so my bandwidth and my ability to focus on multiple things was was tested for a very long time. And so that what that meant is that my attention, when it got on certain businesses, those businesses would do exceptionally well, but it was always at the expense of something else, right? Mm -hmm. And so inevitably, the nature of the education space, the training space, the coaching space, right? I got I got pulled into that because in the last recession, 2008, 2009, 2010, I had built a name for myself because nobody could figure out while everybody else was going out of business, well, how is this guy down here wholesaling 300 houses in South Florida? 
And I was doing it using reverse wholesaling. I had built this proprietary piece of software on how to go find all the cash buyers. Nobody even heard of such a thing. Yep. And so as I started sharing that with people, suddenly I got pulled into the software business, right? right? We created this piece of software that did this for everybody around the country and saved a bunch of people's businesses. And then naturally now it's, hey, will you train us and will you coach us and do all these things? And um, in that particular business, um, because it is public facing and because, you know, the Internet is the, you know, the thing that is completely unforgiving, as well as the FTC looks at those businesses extremely hard. Mm. Um, you, know, you know, the risk profile in that business is, is, is very real. Um, you know, lots of companies have been shut down over the years. You know, lots of guys have gone to jail. There's all kinds of stuff over there. So you have no choice if you're going to be in those businesses, but to play it full out, right. pay attention to every detail. You cannot, you literally cannot focus on anything else. It has to be that way or else something will give and you will pay a heavy price. Right. And so I have no regrets for doing that because if I hadn't done that, then ultimately I wouldn't have been, been able to impact millions of people. Uh, when, you know, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation, the boardroom wouldn't exist, all these things, right? I know the massive benefits and it's brought me more opportunity later in my life than I've ever, ever had. The regret that I have is along the way, it did not allow me to focus as much as I um, could have back then on investing uh, long-term wealth strategies versus mm. the transactional things we were doing inside of the turnkey business. And so over the last five to seven years, you know, we've taken a much different approach, um, raising the funds and creating, you know, a lot more wealth. But again, from a regret standpoint, the, 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 you, you cannot, you literally cannot understate or overstate the importance of time when it comes to investments. And so that 10 or 15 years, if all of that investing and all that money had been deployed over a 10 or 15 year period versus just over the last five to seven year period, you know, I'd be a multi-billionaire, um, right, right. you know, versus where I am. So that's, that's the only regret I have. And again, it's a, it's kind of a feeble regret at that, but I, I do recognize that. I don't think I had any choice and I don't think I would have, would necessarily go back and change anything because I'm very proud of where I am now and the people we've been able to impact and the, the, you know, people all over the world that talk about, you know, what, how we've made a difference in their life that you can't put a price tag on that. But right. if I was forced to choose, that would be it. Mm, so buying, buying some more assets along the way. Buy a lot more assets along the way. Uh, never stop buying. Um, you know, we would own, you know, we own hundreds of millions of dollars. Now we would own billions and billions if we just kept right. buying all the way. Yeah. That makes sense. That's huge. That's gotta be tough, man. Cause I'm sure you've, you've, uh, probably sold a lot of stuff to investors out there along the years. And you're like, shit, I should have kept that one. And I mean, I'll it's just part of it, man. I right, mean, right, again, right. I, I don't, I never look backwards. I never live in that headspace, but I can tell yeah. you if somebody asks me the question uh, and I'm forced to kind of think about it, I'm smart enough to understand, certainly as I've gotten older, uh, the value of uninterrupted compounding interest. If you have assets that are compounding at just eight to 10% a year, over a 10, 15 year period, what that does for your wealth is wild. Yeah. I mean, when you actually pencil out that math, it is unbelievable what that right. does for your wealth. Because you think about it, think about it like this. You know, if you have, if you start today and you, let's just say you acquire $20 million in real estate today at 25, 26, whatever you are, right? And it compounds on itself at 10% a year. In seven years, that $20 million worth of real estate is now 40, right. 7.2 years, right? And then in another 7.2 years, it's now 80. And then it doubles every seven years. Right. So think about the impact of that. So in 50, so it's 10 or it's 20 to 40, then 40 to 80. And then by year 15, it's at 160. Yeah. Right. In 15 years, or I'm sorry, in 21 years. That's the impact of uninterrupted compounding interest. It goes from 20 to 160 in 21 years, just at a 10% rate of return. Yeah. Compounding inside of itself. And then, then it goes over the course of the next seven years, it will go from 160 to 320. 
So now in 28 years, it's it. So how old are you? 27. So imagine if you're 55 years old, right? There's 20 million you buy this year, but by the time you're 55, bro, it's $640 million. Right. Jeez. That's when you start playing that math out, you're like, Jesus Christ. What the, what the fuck With that I being doing? said, everyone who's listening, I'm buying houses, send me all your deals. Um, but, uh, but no, that's, that's huge that, that you brought that up because I feel like especially the young hustler mentality, um, that I have been around, you know, we, we never really talk, we, we talk about how much income are we making and how much is, you know, how many houses are we selling a year? How many deals are we doing? And, you know, there's not a lot of talk on how, how, how many deals are you holding on? Right. What's, what's your, your, well, I mean, that, that's one aspect of it, what you really should be talking about is how much passive income have you got? You know, I don't even want to hear from you until you got a million dollars showing up every year, whether you get out of bed or not for the right. rest of your life, right. then you're wealthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then now you got something to brag about until then shut the fuck up. Who cares? Right. Cause that's not wealth. Right. Cause you can do about anything you want to do at a million dollars a year in passive income. Yeah. Very, very few things that would be out of, out of reach for you. You might be able to travel a little bit better and we'll stay at nicer hotels. You might be able to fly, whatever. The reality it is a million dollars a year, $2 million a year passively. Yeah. Again, oh, you're chilling. You don't even have to get out of bed. Yeah. That's wealth, baby. Right. And, right. and again, that's totally attainable, but it takes a plan. You got to be deliberate. You know, the best advice I can give anybody to understand exactly what we're talking about right here. Go, it's called the rule of 72. Okay. Go take your whatever you think is a reasonable rate of return you can earn on your investments passively. Let's just say it's 9%. Okay. Divide 90, 72 by whatever that rate is. 9, 10. I did it by 10 a second ago. Um, if it's 10%, we'll just keep the number math. What that tells you, 72 divided by 10 is 7.2. What that means, it's math, it, math is the language of business. Yep. 72 divided by 10, it takes you 7.2 years at a 10% return to double your money, whatever that, whatever that is. So if I put 20 million in and it earns 10% a year, at the end of 7.2 years, it will have doubled. And then it starts again. If that yep. earns 10% at the end of 7.2 years, it will have doubled again. And so that's why I just did the example, 7, 14, 21, 28, you can, that is the power right. of investing and keeping the money moving. Right. That's huge. Now, I appreciate it, man. And really quick, I want to give a quick shout out to everybody um, who's tuning in uh, before we take off. Adam Locklear said uh, uh, he read reverse wholesaling in 2014, totally changed his REI business. Um, Rob Vasquez is tuning in. Someone mentioned, he mentioned self-storage. Somebody asked, how do we learn more about boardroom and stuff like that? Um, I know you recently put out the boardroom entourage. Um, how, how can people get involved? Yeah, so the easiest way is to go to the boardroommastermind.com. Uh, full transparency, fill out an application, um, and then schedule a call with us. And what's going to happen there, again, full transparency, we literally only accept between 95 and 97% of applicants. I've looked at, I just looked at it yesterday. The first, uh, the last four months, we accepted 97.2 or, or we declined 97.2% of our applicants. Um, and not, and we declined for a variety of reasons. They just weren't a right fit or whatever. It may not have been quite qualified, but what that will, when you're on that call, if you're not, you know, quite ready to be a part of the boardroom mastermind, okay. Again, because we curate that then what we, what you can naturally do very easily is we will put you into what's called the boardroom entourage. And the boardroom entourage is a $300 a month program where you get on a call with me and other boardroom members every single week on Wednesdays and for an hour to two hours. And we coach you on what's going on in your business, what you need to be doing. What are the kind of like what you and I are talking about right here. It's a very, this is very indicative of what happens on there. Hey, yeah. Need to focus on this, need to focus on this, let's stay on this. Opportunity to ask me and other boardroom members like Gonzalo, like Robert Vasquez and others, hey, what would you do in my scenario? And for 300 bucks a month, man, I mean, it's to, to get coached by me and these guys every week, I mean, is, you know, phenomenal. I, I just started this 
Um, up until this point for the last few years, I have only focused on the boardroom, the best investors in the world, equally only focused on uh, coaching very high level CEOs, right? That all pay me, you know, 20 grand to come spend a day in the office here with me or, you know, a hundred grand a year for me to coach them. So this is a chance for me to kind of slow down a little bit and say, hey, I can give an hour, two hours a week to this community and pour some really valuable information into them, shorten that learning curve quickly and get them ready to get into the boardroom where all the real magic actually happens. Right. And so uh, we started this, you know, six, seven weeks ago. It's coming off great. We've got a couple hundred people in there already. And uh, I'd invite anybody like, but the, the way to go about that is you go directly into the boardroom mastermind.com, fill out an app. We'll, we'll talk to you. If you don't want to do that, you know, you're not ready. Then just go to the boardroom entourage.com and just sign up for that program. Either one. Awesome, man. Well, Kent fucking great show. Every single time we talk, I'm always inspired, ready. I'm about to go to my desk and go answer some emails and fucking do some calls. I don't know, go buy a house or something. Um, can't wait to see you next week. Is it next week? It's already next week. Next week, bud. I'll yeah, see you bro. there. Awesome, man. Well, everybody who tuned in, thank you so much for, for watching. If you didn't watch all of it, make sure you rewatch this on the YouTube channel, the Cash Geeks Network. Kent, thanks again. Guys, I'm G, and I'm out.